Maddie. Maddie. I'm Noelle. And this is Jenna. And you're listening to More Than Murder, where we delve into everything eerie with the side of true crime. More Than Murder is not your typical true crime podcast. Join us on a weekly tour through the haunted, the bloody, the creepy, and the nutty on our Freaky Fridays. Hello. Hi. And welcome, listeners. Yes, welcome, welcome. Oh, it is so gloomy. It is perfect for a serial killer day. Oh, wonderful. Yes. Um, <laughs> today we have a, another well-known serial killer. Since the conviction and sentencing after his crimes... He has been countlessly interviewed about his murders by FBI agents and journalists alike. Because of his ability to articulate his crimes so well, which we'll get into, this particular killer has actually helped to profile other serial killers that came after him. You may know him as the co-ed killer, or you may know him as Ed, or you may not know anything about him at all. I think there are people that don't know about him. Yeah, so if you don't, Strap on your boots. Today we are talking about Edmund Kemper. Eddie. Oh, Eddie boy. All right. So content in this episode, I'm just going to say, is very brutal and graphic and a little bit hard to listen to at times. Listener discretion is advised. And so, you know, we are just going to, we're just going to dive in. Okay. I am... I'm I'm ready. And as uh, as typical MTM fashion, we're gonna start with his early life. I feel like he's like an old friend. I know <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's, it's so like, weird. It's just one of those that you kind of lose yourself in, and like, it's very like if you know true crime like we do, you you feel like you know Ed because of how much he's like yes, talked about everything yeah. and the way again the way he articulates everything. That's why he's so intriguing. Like. Yeah, well, I would say he is probably the top five most psychologically intriguing murderer because, like, that's why people are like invested in true crime. Oh yeah, the psych- yeah. They're um, interested in the psychology the and, and like and what made them do what they did. Exactly. And, and he was so forthcoming with yes, everything. He was, so. and we'll talk about that too. And it's just, uh, all right. So, Edmund Kemper was born. On December 18th in 1948 in Burbank, California. He was the middle of three children. His older and younger siblings were both girls. In 1957, his parents divorced and he went to go live with his mom and sisters in Montana. So they kind of like bounced around a little bit, Mm. especially Ed. His mom named Clarnell. She was a neurotic, abusive alcoholic who would belittle and humiliate Ed whenever she could. She was always extremely critical of him and would blame him for, like, all his own problems ever since he was a child. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, when you're a tiny child, you're that's not the kind of support you need in life. So she would also pick on Ed for his size. So this is his mom picking on her own son that she gave birth to for his size. Ed Kemper was... 13 pounds just when he was born. He was okay. huge from the start. Yes. Oh, burden that thing. Oh, yeah. I um, sense some resentment. <laughs> by the age of 15, he was already like 6'4". And by the time he started committing his crimes in his 20s, he was about 6'9 and 300 pounds. He just kept growing. Yes. So he is like this giant menace, menacing creature. Oh, yeah. And now he is still obviously 6'9, but he has gone down to like right around 250 pounds, which for a 6'9 dude is, I feel like, 
average. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know many six foot nine people. My uncle Jerry was actually six foot nine, I believe, or six foot seven, maybe. And I don't know how much he weighed though. <laughs> yeah, it all depends. Uh-huh. You know, on your height and those bones have to be big to hold super up. Super tall person yeah. is gonna have more body mass. Mm-hmm. When Ed turned 10, Clarnell made him sleep in the basement away from his sisters because she got bad vibes off her kid and felt he may actually hurt them somehow. (laughs) And that's because the signs Edmund exhibited began when he was young, like right around when he was 10 years old. Ed showed cruelty to animals on various occasions, and it was, of course, the family's cats that were his first victims. Oh. That's usually how it goes if a uh-huh. child is going to go down this path. It's oh. usually the family pets that get the brunt of it first. Yeah, unfortunately. The practice and seeing how oh. it feels and everything else. Good Lord. So, as a cat lover, this was hard to hear and research and write. I guess one time when he was 10, he buried one of his cats alive. And then proceeded to dig it up, only to decapitate it and mount its head on a pike. Oh my god. Now, this being his very first kill and decapitating it is incredible psychologically because you Uh guys will hear that that is his Uh thing after. Like, he has always had a thing for decapitation and it started when he was 10 years old. That is nuts. It's terrifying. Aww, like poor kitties. I know. I know, poor kitties. We read a short story, seventh grade, I want to say. Did you guys read a short story? And it was about, I loosely remember, but it was about abusing cats. It was this story about this kid, and there was, like, a bag involved, and it was, like, him. Yeah. And it was, like, seventh grade, and we read this, and I don't remember why. I was homeschooled in seventh grade, so no, I did not read that book. (laughs) Yeah, well, you shouldn't have came to Wayland in seventh grade, because it (laughs) was, like, a Yeah, it was strange. Was it seventh grade? Weird. If you guys, like, viewers or whoever, if this sounds anything to you, let me know. Because, yeah. yeah. Because I'm interested, too, because if it was 8th grade and I did read it, then I must have literally pushed it out of my memory. No, I think it was young. I think it was middle school age. That's fucked up, yeah. And it was pretty... (laughs) Dude, it sits with me. Like, when I heard that, it, like, came right back into my head, but it's very loose. Yeah, uh, don't fuck with cats. Does that sound like anything to me, so... I want to, like, Google it now. Okay. (sighs) All right, you can Google it while I keep talking. So, eventually, at 13, we're not... Going to be jumping ahead that far yet, but at 13, he killed another of their cats when it seemed to prefer one of his sisters. So, like, because the cat preferred one of his sisters better, he decided to kill it with a knife. Ugh. Again, clearly these are, like, huge warning signs. Harm against animals is one of the main three. The triage that we talk about so often. Yeah. Did you find anything? No, I didn't. I have no... am Am I making it up? No, I remember I it's jarring. Well, somebody's got to know about it, so somebody tell us. Yeah. And we'll keep looking for it after. Kim. Let me Just know if you remember that. I feel like I was sitting in, like, a reading circle, and it was oh, awful. good God. Yeah, it was awful. The hell? <laughs> so, besides the killing of his kitties, he enjoyed cutting the heads off his sister's dolls, which, at first, you're like, oh, that's not too strange. I feel like I know people who used to pull the head off their Barbies all the time, but the weird part for me is actually cutting the heads off. 
Yeah, it wasn't just like a boop. Pop. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know, like some... Like, my brother like, did that yeah. to destroy my Barbies. Exactly. You know, Boys like, being mean are going to, like, destroy their sister's uh-huh. Barbies, pull their heads off, you uh-huh. know, throw them in the toilet. But, no, he... He decapitated Barbie. Cutted. Yeah, yeah. cutted. Oh, my <laughs> God, you guys. He cutted. He cut the heads off. Like, he was decapitating the Barbies, which... Huh. To me, at like that's a ten, that's extreme. Yeah, <laughs> it's extreme for a ten-year-old. I would say. Uh, he also enjoyed convincing his sisters to play games that he made up. They were called gas chamber and electric chair. Yeah. Yeah, he would tell them to blindfold him, sit in a chair or lay on the floor, and then he would have them like pretend to flip a switch, and then flop around. And writhe in pain until he would pretend to die. Yeah, sounds like a fun game. It sounds like a terrifying game. (laughs) (laughs) My source Uh, did not say if he made his sisters play the role of the victim, but for some odd reason, I get the feeling he did. Oh, yeah. Poor sisters. Yeah. Later in life, which is funny because he must have had some sort of appreciation for his sisters because they don't enter the picture at all throughout the rest of like yeah, no, you don't hear about games. them. No, no, you hear about them early, and but then... Yeah, like, nothing. So, that's kind of interesting. Huh, yeah. All right, so, um, later in life, Edmund would also admit that he would dream of killing his mom and would sometimes go to his second grade teacher's house, second grade, and watch her through the windows. So, he was a, he was a peeping Ed. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't they all... Aren't they all the serial killers? They it love does peep. It's yeah. like Jesus. I know. Bundy was a peeper. Like, come on. Yeah. His mom ended up letting him stay with his dad. Letting him, I say, but Clarnell just, like, wanted him out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it didn't work out, and he ended up back in Montana with his mom and sisters, of course. At this point, Clarnell... Like I said, she just wanted Ed out. He was troubled and killing his sister's cats, and I can imagine his sisters were adequately frightened of him and, and his little games. And yes. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> besides having to make alone. him yeah sleep in the basement, like yeah. your daughter's cats are getting brutally murdered, and he's making them play terrifying games. I, you know, it's like get... I'd be curious how he was in school. I know. Like, if he was a good kid or, like... Because yeah. I know he's super smart, isn't he? Yeah, He's, like, a whip. We will talk about that, yeah. But I I wonder if, like, school was a good thing for him or if he was, like, acting out in or school. Yeah. I know. That's a good question. Just sounds fucked. I know. He really <laughs> There's does. no other way to put it. He was just... So, Clarnell sends him to go live with his dad's parents. So, his paternal grandparents. And that is in North Folk, California. Mm-hmm. Ed's grandparents lived on a farm, and by that time he was already playing with firearms, so naturally he brought his rifle along with him. Bitterly, he went. He did not want to be on this farm with his grandparents, and, I mean, he's he's just, like, 15, you know? He doesn't want to be on the farm right now. Yeah, no, you know? not with, with your grandparents. Just with his yeah. grandparents all yeah. by himself, you know, while he was kind of probably... A little bit of a loner and a strange person. He still didn't want... I mean, he's still a kid. Yeah. I mean, it'd probably be better if his cousins were there, you know, playing. Or You know, I could just imagine, like, going to live on your grandparents' farm <laughs> and yeah. having, like, your cousins playing all the time. I don't know. That might be kind of weird, but... I don't know. I guess I wouldn't really mind. 
Yeah. I mean, I think it. I I would be cool. I'd be like, all right, yeah, I'll go to the farm. Now we say that as an adult. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I used to want to live in a city, and then I went like went and lived in Buffalo for a little while, which I grew up in Rochester, so that's why I was like still close to that age, and I'm like. No, I like the city better. And then I was like, no, uh-huh. I definitely like the country better. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just like the quiet and how it smells and, yeah, everything about it. Yeah, much better. <laughs> yes. So, of course, in typical Ed fashion, he started shooting the birds and other small animals on the property with said rifle that yeah. he brought. Yeah. His grandparents ended up taking the gun from Ed and putting it away when he did not stop killing the animals on their property when they asked him to over and over and over again. Oh, my God. So, on August 27th, um, 1964, Ed was only 15 years old. He and his grandma got into a heated argument about who knows what. At this point, he's been belittled his whole life by his mom and worse course it's not just belittlement and humiliation mm-hmm. it's it's complete abuse and verbal abuse and all this other stuff he's sleeping in a basement for christ's sake yeah his mom doesn't feel safe around him which also is kind of his fault because he is kind of a scary person and shouldn't be doing those things uh, but it's both you know maybe she should have been a better, better parent early, she could earlier have seen those life. signs and tried to fix things yeah instead she just made it worse. she made it worse by segregating him yeah. right so he had had enough, and he went to get his confiscated rifle. Rifle. Confiscated rifle. Makes me laugh for some reason. Rifle. But the situation's not funny. Okay. No, it gets pretty bad. Yes. He came back to the kitchen where, at the table, his grandmother was facing with her back to him. She made some sort of remark like, "You better not be be going out shooting the birds again." Or something. And he shot her. He shot her in the back of her head um, once and then twice in the back. He killed his first human victim, his own grandmother, at 15 years old. 15. Like your own grandmother Mm -hmm. at 15. It's just Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, there's no words. So, (laughs) during all this, his grandpa was out grocery shopping, and Ed didn't really have much of a problem with his grandpa. He didn't really have much of a problem with men. It was all stemmed from his mom issues. Yeah, Yeah, it was definitely a a woman-mother complex. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I hate to say, like, the mommy issues, but, like, that's that's what it was for Ed. Yeah. And he even admits it later on, but we'll we'll get into that. It's common with serial killers, too. It is. Very yes. common. So, again, during all this, his, his grandpa was out grocery shopping. Ed didn't know what to do, but he knew his grandfather would obviously, quite obviously, be mad at him. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I said mad at him with, like, quotes, because obviously. <laughs> Ed didn't also like want his grandpa to have to see his dead wife he said oh so he was sparing he was trying yes showing him compassion yeah so when he pulled up to the house and got out of the car ed shot and killed him too right Mm -hmm. next to his car so now he's killed his first two victims both being his grandparents when he was Mm -hmm. 15. I love my grandparents. I know, I know. It makes I me so sad because it's just They're like... Uh, grandparents are the most wonderful and cherished people on I this know, planet. I like, know. I mean, like, 
I do feel like there probably are grandparents that aren't great, though. Yeah, of course. And just, like, you know, parental I haven't, situations. Yeah, I haven't dealt with that, so I guess yeah. I don't understand. I just love my grandparents. I just don't see... It makes me so sad. There was nothing in the story that said that these grandparents Were did anything, anything horrible. No, no, they just kind of... He was they took him in as out. a troubled child and let him live there. Yeah. Like, they could have made him leave when he was shooting mm. animals on his property. And I guess I could understand if it was, like, the maternal grandparents, you know, yeah. having that deep-seated, but this was paternal, too, yeah. so it's like... Yeah, they didn't even care, probably, about Clarnell, you know. <sighs> Again, Ed didn't know what to do once he did it, so he called his mom, which, LOL, because that's the first person I call with anything and everything, too, <laughs> my mom. Not the doctors, not anyone. My mother is the first person in a crisis that I call. Yeah. And I guess Ed is the same way, so. Yeah, my and, dad. That was my dad. Yep, yep. We just, we all have, which, obviously, I, I also call my dad, but it's like, with anything, especially woman-related, like my mom, my mom, my mom. Like when my water broke with, with my first, with Finn, like, um, mom? <laughs> What's happening? What's going on? Do I call the hospital? <laughs> Hilarious. Not Ed, but my relationship and calling my mom was like everything. <laughs> Anyways, she simply tells him that he needs to call the police and tell him, tell them what happened. Really, I mean, what else are you gonna do? Yeah, and uh, and he did. I was I was honestly surprised. Clarnell was not like more. She didn't seem like shocked or anything. It was just call the police, let them know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and also like she's probably thinking not me. Yeah, my I daughters. Like, uh huh. I knew this was gonna happen someday. Yep. She's like, I had a feeling the whole time. But do something about exactly. it. Exactly. Stop being a shit mom. Put him somewhere like they get can help. get help. Yeah. Obviously, something psychological going on in his boy. Exactly. Which they do. They do prove that in just a little while. Oh yeah. But um, I also find it just several things that are just striking. They don't. He doesn't decide to run. He literally, yeah, he yeah. calls he called the police. He sits down right on the front steps and waits for them to show up and tells them everything. After this, he was taken that was in. the chair. Yeah, that was Jenna's <laughs> hair on the chair. Hair no, on that the chair. was just me. Oh, <laughs> leaning, leaning on our camping chair. This one is newer, so it's very just like oh, cr- crunchy. Oh, you've broken in. Yes. <laughs> it's funny. Um, anyways, so. He was taken in by the California Youth Authority, where they gave him a bunch of tests to kind of see, like, what was going on in that brain of his, because yeah. something obviously is a little off. Especially because he's just sitting there like, oh, he just killed my grandparents, coming at me. Yeah, like, They you know, don't probably he, get that often. Yeah. Uh, like, it's just so straight. You never hear people really call and say, this is what I just did, you know? It's, it's very crazy. rare. Yeah. It's very rare. So... These tests that they performed on him revealed that he did suffer from paranoid schizophrenia, mm-hmm. but it also revealed that Ed, at, at 15 years old, had an IQ of 145. Yep. Most people I researched have an IQ between 85 and 115. It's kind of like an average if you're like yes, below Yes, you have the that, lower then, average and then the super high above yeah. average, Ted Bundy, this guy. Yeah. <sighs> 
Because of what the test revealed, he was sent to a maximum security facility for mentally ill convicts called the Atascadero State Hospital. For some uh, reason, I love the word Atascadero. Atascadero, yeah. You hear about that a lot in, in especially California history. Like, mm-hmm. that was a big place. Mm-hmm. And even still, I believe that he's he's in a, um, a facility for, like, mentally ill convicts. So okay. this is, he's got more serious. It's not like he's just... You know, deals with yeah, every once no, in a while. He's, he's got he's got a serious issue with uh-huh. it. While he was interred there at the Youth Authority, um, his mom ended up moving to Santa Cruz, California, after divorcing for the third time, and going to work at the University of California in Santa Cruz. On his twenty first birthday, December eighteenth, in nineteen sixty nine, Ed was released on parole with advice from his doctor in the prison to not go back to his abusive mother and try to find a home somewhere else. Yeah. But alas, he did anyway. Of he course. He went back to live where, with his mom. Of course. Where else is he going to go? Even though he hates her. I know. But he make has sure. to go. You know, it's like... like give, it's him, give, them, give him a facility. Like, you know, they have housing Halfway sometimes Halfway like housing yeah. and things like that. That way he can get a job and mm-hmm. try to get, you know... Transition. Yes. From no, it was prison because he you're was in, out, but don't go back to your mom. Bye. I know he was in prison from fifteen to twenty-one years old. He like, doesn't that's, know life. I yeah. know. I mean, he didn't, oh. he's never even had a job. Nope. Sorry, had to take a sip of water. <laughs> Gotta stay hydrated, you know. Oh, of course. <sighs> so eventually, Ed would use his smarts to convince his psychologists that he was fully rehabilitated. And would receive, receive, he would have his records expunged in 1972 okay. for that time. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of these people who are smart like that do that. They, they're they in prison and then they they act like the model yep. citizen just to... Rehabilitate it. Yep, just to act like the rehabilitated so they can get out and just do it all over again. Yep, they're brilliant. Yeah, they are. They're conniving and they... Mm-hmm. They think it all out. They plan it all out. Oh, yep. So Ed would end up going to a community college and landing a job in 1971 with the Department of Transportation. And Ed really wanted to be a police officer. <laughs> yeah, he really wanted to be a cop. Yeah. He actually tried applying to be a state trooper, but was denied because of his size. Yeah. Which is crazy to me. Honestly, you'd probably want a big-ass dude like that as, as a... A backup, even like as a backup or whatever, you have yeah. a partner that rides with you. You have like the good cop, and he'd be this big, scary, don't fuck with her, yeah. you know, don't fuck around cop. Maybe he just wasn't agile enough because of his size. Well, yeah, I mean, they they would have to send him out with a partner on certain calls. Yeah. Like if somebody ran, he probably couldn't like go <laughs> running after him. He would just be like, back up, you know. <laughs> I need assistance. This you guy's booking this. it. <laughs> yeah. So because of his size. He actually was awarded a nickname among the officers because, like, even though he was denied being a trooper, he would, like, hang out with officers a yeah, lot. Was he going to, like, the coffee shop that they went to or there was something? Like, like, a, there was, like, a bar that he would hang out at. Yes, and they, okay. it had a name, but I can't remember it right now. But he, there was a bar he would hang out at that was with all where the all the cops, cops would hang out. Yeah. And they got to know him. And That's brilliant. Too. Yeah. Yep. And they actually nicknamed him Big Ed. Yeah. At this point, Ed was, like I said, 6'9 and 300 pounds. So, Big like I said, dude. really large, menacing guy. 
after being denied the state trooper, like I said, he was hanging out with the Santa Cruz police officers, and this would would work out in his favor for a little bit in the future. Oh, I believe it. The Santa Cruz cops gave him a pair of handcuffs, which he keeps and utilizes in the future, <laughs> and a training school badge, and allegedly one officer gave him a firearm as well. Now, I think it's, like, if Ed hadn't killed anybody thus far and just had his paranoid schizophrenia, I was going to say it's really, like, cute and sweet of the officers to give him, like, a training badge yeah, and, yeah. you know, and, allow and him to maybe, him and... like, let him, like, help with some of the things and, yes, you know, be yes. a cop if he can because, you know, he's got his troubled issues, but... You know, the fact that he's killed people and they're giving him handcuffs and the badge and also a firearm. It's that's questionable, not okay. then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess Big Ed even drove around in a car that looked very similar to a police cruiser. So he was just kind of obsessed. He just really wanted to be a cop. Jeez. Yeah. Who knew it was that expensive, right? I know. <laughs> During the time that he worked for the Department of Transportation... Ed actually was in a really bad motor motorcycle accident oh. that damaged his arm pretty badly. He ended up suing the driver of the car that hit him because he was literally hit while he was on his motorcycle and was awarded a $15,000 settlement. Okay. He used that money to buy his 1969 Ford Galaxy. <laughs> while he was out and about driving around, he started to see how many people, particularly young women... We're hitching rides in the area. Oh, God. And, of course, we're in the 70s, baby. Oh, yeah, so everyone's hitching. Yeah, it's obviously one of the biggest times for hitchhiking. <sighs> According to Ed himself, he actually started to pick up women and drop them off where they needed to go with no problems. He said that he, he picked up probably about, like, 150 women before he got and acted on, wait for it, what he called his little zappies, which is just... Gross and weird. They all have nicknames. Yeah, it's so weird and gross. Like, what the fuck? His little zappies uh, were literally his sexual and murderous feelings. Oh, no, Ed. Yep, which didn't last. He he began storing things like his handcuffs and zip ties in his trunk, as well as a gun and a knife, so that he could start acting on his little zappies. Huh. But wait, wait. He's about to escalate. Of course, they always do. Always do. Tam, 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 tam. Always do. One day in 1972. <laughs> that was my next thing anyway. I had to do it. Uh, anyways, one day in 1972, May 7th to be exact, he picked up two 18-year-old students from hitchhiking, or sorry, hitchhiking from Fresno State College and was supposed to transport them to Stanford University. Okay. And, supposed. Yeah, supposed to. Mm. And most of the time, which, like, I guess I've, I've obviously, I'm very familiar with Ed's case, mm-hmm. but it's it's weird how he almost always chose, like, two people at once, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, there was only, I think, one time or two times there was, there was separate single girls, and other than that, it's always double. It's so crazy. He's a big dude. Yep. So, the names of the girls were Marianne Pesci and, or Pesh, it looks like Pesci, so I'm just going to say Marianne Pesci, and Anita Luchessa. 
which I love that last name. Beautiful. <laughs> At one point during the drive, he changed directions, and the girls had no idea. They were probably, like, chatting and, you know. I would not be like that, though. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. We would be in the car, and I'd be yeah. like, where are we going? This dude's got weird vibes. Why did we turn? It's that way. Yeah, what are you doing? Exactly. And then we just jump out. Because I know. I know. Open the door, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I don't no. care if it's 55. We're jumping. Jump and roll, baby. Yeah. Tug and roll. We got it. <laughs> so the direction he was taking them was towards a more remote and wooded area, which would be kind of like his other thing. Mm-hmm. Once he felt comfortable like and found the perfect spot, or whatever. Secluded. Yeah. Just deep, deep in the woods. He stopped and handcuffed Marianne and forced Anita into the trunk. He stabbed and strangled Marianne to death and then proceeded to remove Anita from the trunk to kill her the same way. He put the girl's lifeless bodies back in his trunk and went to drive home. And it was he was actually stopped by a cop for a broken taillight on the way. Of course he was. Yep. Of course he was. The cop was none the, the wiser. I mean, these girls were in his trunk. No, they're like, hey, big guy, how you doing on this Saturday night? Yep. Have a good one. Get uh-huh. them safe. Yep. Just a warning. Just make sure you fix your light. Uh-huh. Not even going to write it up. No, they probably did not. So, um, once he got home, this is where he would start his... Routine of kind of like what he would do with these bodies. Mm -hmm. (sighs) He sexually assaulted the corpses, then dismembered them, including removing their heads, as we remember from his kitty. Yep. He then put them in garbage bags, because why not? They're just trash now, right? Oh, Oh, Jesus Christ. And drove them out to a mountain range, which is, again, this is just, once Ed developed... Like, the first time Ed did all this, it became just what he did every oh, time. Oh, yeah, it was that compulsion. He had to probably, he probably had some OCD, and he had to do it the same exact way to get the same type of pleasure every single time. I bet you that is true, because that is exactly how he did it. He would go out to a mountain range, toss it over, toss the bag over yep. the ravine, and he would keep the severed heads behind. Of course, him and his severed heads. Because he would... Engage in the most disgusting act I feel possible, Uh, which was defiling the severed heads. Yeah. Both girls were listed as missing persons by their families. It wouldn't be until August 15th when a female head was found in the woods and was identified as Mary Ann Pesh. Damn. Peshy, I'm sorry. They don't ever have pronunciations on these people's last names. It's so upsetting. No, it's hard. Anita Lucessa's remains, however, were never, ever found, and neither were the rest of Mary Ann's remains. Uh, four short months later, on September 14th, 1972, Ed came upon a 15-year-old girl who missed her bus to dance class and was attempting to hitch her ride there. Oh, boy. Yeah. Her name was Aiko Koo. And, by the way, even though they're, like, finding these remains, they the, the cops still, obviously, they just have, like, no idea who's, who's no. doing it yet. No. So, no. they're finding remains, so they're starting to see... Oh, shit, something's going on. Yeah, they don't even know how to connect yet, and there's probably a lot that just is unknown still. I'm actually surprised that a lot of them are found so quickly with the way that he disposed of them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know? Yeah. It's it's honestly kind of strange. So, 
Again, sorry, I kind of got like off track there, but we're on Aikoku. She was attempting to hitch a ride to dance class. He offered to bring her to dance class and she got in. Again, he drove out to a remote area he knew of, pulled over, and pulled a gun on Aiko while she was still in the car. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I don't know if Ed had to pee or what, but Ed literally gets out of the car after pulling the gun on Aiko. He gets out, leaves the gun in the car, as well as the keys, and locks himself out of the car. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He goes and does whatever he's doing. I feel like he must have had to go to the bathroom. I really don't know what he was doing. Probably something, yeah. Yeah, checking out the area maybe. I don't know. So he goes back to the car and convinces Aiko to let him back in. (laughs) Let him back in. And I, all I can feel is, like, horror for Aiko. Uh-huh. Because if she only had just gotten into that driver's seat, turned the keys, and, and drove away. Just went, yeah. Yep. Run the motherfucker over. He just pulled a gun on you. Uh-huh. Like, I'm sorry. It's just, oh, it, The hindsight that I have for Aiko kills me inside. I know. You I know? know. It's just, why would you let him back in? I know. Why in the why? world? Why? You know, like, just just go. Just go. I don't care if you don't know how to drive. You figure it I out. I know. Just, exactly. Just do yeah. what you have to do to get out of there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Even if, like, you ran him over and then crashed after, at least you would be there and he probably would be dead. away you know? or something. Yeah. He, the, mean... the, the perpetrator would be gone and out of the way. Like, Ugh. oh, gosh, it's awful. It is awful. Because once back inside the car, Ed choked Aiko until she became unconscious, and he then raped and killed her. He put her body in the trunk the same way as the others and went off to the bar he frequented for a drink with his cop. With his cop buddies, with a body in his fucking trunk. The body in his trunk. It's. Before I continue, I just wanted to say... That there is some sort of fucking construction, construction <laughs> happening. On my I'm sorry. We're not really sure what's going on, but if you hear a, that's that. Yeah, not so. sure what they're doing, but of course they choose the day we record. Of course, we either have to deal with the garbage or freaking. Today we have to deal with both. <laughs> yeah, yep. and a guy we whacking. Oh, oh my god, summertime I'm, is going to be difficult. I'm going to make that sign. I'm telling you right now. Recording in progress. Everyone Silencio. Be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just like in <laughs> studios, recording in progress. Yes, yes. On um, air. <laughs> yes. So what I was gonna say is that it's crazy to think what could literally be literally happening right outside like you're walking past the car. Yeah. You don't know if there's a dead fucking body in there. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And and this just proves it. You just don't uh-huh. know. It's uh-huh. it just it is such a weird, mind-blowing feeling when you really think, like, you don't know anything. You don't know anything. Anything no. or anyone. How no. often do we say, you don't know <laughs> anyone? Every serial killer episode. Yeah. Like, every single one of them. Like, obviously with Ed, the signs are there, so you could possibly have pegged it for that. But literally, you don't know anything, though. Like I said, you're walking around. You don't know uh-huh. if somebody you walk by. I feel like there was something that said that we... Walk by I murderers yes, so many I times. I said that. And yeah. I said that a couple times ago. Apparently, you walk by a certain amount of killers or murderers 
in your lifetime. Yeah, and that's just mm-hmm. ah, you never makes know. me want to scream because it's crazy. I, oh, it's just crazy. It's scary. It is. I'm gonna be like shut in. It's I'm gonna be right there. I know. I'm gonna be like Grey Gardens. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, my god! If y'all haven't seen Grey Gardens, watch that shit. It's crazy. Actually, I have to watch that shit. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> we should like, watch that shit. I'll watch it again. Yeah. I'll look <laughs> oh, for it right now. All I'll right. stream it someday. Sweet. Let's just <laughs> watch it now. It's list. gloomy. <laughs> all right. So, back to Iko. He has now raped and murdered her in his car. He went home. Uh, he defiled her corpse, of course, because that's what Ed does. True Ed fashion. Yep. He dismembers her and disposed of her in the same way again as he did the two girls before. Kept kept the head. Yep, kept the head. Everything else. Yep. Aiko's mother did everything possible in her power to raise awareness about her missing daughter. From working with police to flyers all over the city, but she literally just got no answers. Aww. So sad. I can't imagine. The next year, on January 7th, 1973, so Ed's spree takes place between 1972 and 1973. Okay. Uh, So, Ed was driving around the Cabrillo College campus when he came across 18-year-old Cindy Shaw. She has, uh, it's not her official name, but that's what people most know her as, is Cindy. Okay. He took her to one of his wooded areas, took out a 22 caliber gun that he had, and shot her. I wonder if that's the firearm that uh, was gifted to him from... Oh, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, because there's no mention of him getting another gun from anywhere else. The last mention of a gun was the rifle Yeah. with his grandparents. And then after prison, he was hanging out with the cops. So mm, Probably. I wonder how they felt about that when they found out. So he put her body in his freaking trunk because that seems to be... When it became the the body trunk. Oh, yeah. And drove home. He kept her body in his closet overnight. And when his mom left for work the next day, that's when he took advantage of the corpse and defiled it. Jesus. Oh. In his routine fashion, he dismembered her body and severed her head. But this time, he did it in his mom's bathtub. He kept the head for several days, um, performing... Irumatio is how they call it, which is very similar to fellatio. It's like fellatio, but with a... No, actually, I thought it was with a severed head as well. However, it's actually the just, just the act of... Okay, this is graphic, guys, but forcing one's penis into another's mouth. Oh. Like, violently. Okay. So, it's fellatio, but it's different because it's that. So, they call it irumatio. Okay. And he was doing that. That's what he was doing with these defiled, like, or the, the severed heads. Wow. He held their mouth. He held their head. No, I know. Like, but, like, what, what if fuck? they, like, what if, like, their jaw was, I guess maybe you can move that stuff after death pretty easy. I don't know. I really don't. It's, once I found out exactly, because, honestly, continuously hearing and researching and listening to podcasts and interviews of him defiling uh-huh. the head in such a way, I'm like, in what manner? You know, because I you get a lot of weird was... images in your head. I uh, yeah, I figured yeah. And so now that's that's that. So that's yep. 
That's that. And it's just fucking disgusting. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Okay. <sighs> so with Cindy, just like all the others, he tossed her remains over a cliff. However, this time with her head, he buried her head in his mom's garden and made it so the head yeah. faced up towards her bedroom. Uh-huh. Yes. And yeah. he said he did this because his mom always, quote, wanted people to look up to her. Oh, Jesus And Christ. so now she had someone always looking always. up to her. And yeah. I was like, dude, that's fucked. It's psychological. It is. And you can see it in all of the little things that he does. It all comes back to the psyche yep. of this man. That's why I say with him, it's all... That's why the... That's why he is so intriguing to, uh-huh. to, psychologi- to psychologists, journalists, FBI yeah. agents. Uh-huh. Like it's, and he's so, but he's so smart. It's just what I it's know. just great. It's craziness. It is. <sighs> In interviews later on, Ed claims that he often went looking for women to kill after he and his mother had some sort of argument. He's like blowing off steam mm-hmm. for Big Ed. Yep. After another one of those arguments on February 5th in 1973, Ed went out on the prowl. At this point, the people in Santa Cruz were blatantly aware that there was a killer on the loose. They were finding parts. Girls are going missing. Students were, like, advised to only take rides from cars that had university stickers on them. Yeah. But to me, that's dumb. It's still don't take any rides from anybody. Well, the thing is, like, how many parents get bumper stickers of their children's college or high schools. Yeah, yeah. How many friends and other relatives get bumper stickers from that because you were showing pride for your child and your friend's school. Yep, yep. And just because someone has a sticker literally does not mean they go to I'm campus safe. school there. <laughs> I'm like, safe. Get in my car. What do you mean that has a bumper? Are you kidding me? Yeah, like, I don't. I wouldn't give in the car with anybody except, like, campus security at that point. Yeah, unless they mean, like, a campus parking sticker. But still... I mean, it could be one of the students doing this. Exactly. It could be a faculty member faculty doing member, this. Yep. I mean, when we worked for the college, like the food area, we had a sticker. Yeah. We were just working at the cafeteria. We didn't go you didn't to the go school. there. Yeah, and it doesn't even mean anything if you do go to the school. Like exactly. It's. I mean, Ted Bundy was enrolled in a college. You know, like, duh. Just how about just don't take rides from strangers at this point, okay? Like, no rides from strangers. Just none. Just like when we talk as children, you don't take rides, candy, or anything else from strangers. No. You don't talk to strangers. Just don't talk to strangers. (laughs) Stranger danger. (sighs) So that was exactly the case here. Ed indeed did have one of those stickers because why? Why did he have one? His mother worked for the the college. Yep. And what's to say, like, people aren't in the office, like, somebody who works there isn't fabricating a sticker, you know? It just, it's just ridiculous. So, anyway, on February 5th, 1973, he picked up another pair of girls. This time, they were 23-year-old Rosalind Heather Thorpe and Alice, he- Alice Helen Lou, which they actually ended up calling her Allison, and it's kind of, I like the play on Alice Helen Oh, yeah, okay. So it's Alice Helen, but they call her, her name is Allison as her nickname. Yeah. So I'm going to refer to her as Allison. They were on the University of um, California, Santa Cruz, the exact one his mom worked for. Uh-huh. So Rosalind got into Ed's car first, while Allison was kind of like a little more mm-hmm. hesitant and backed off. And I even remember seeing this 
footage and like you know the recreated footage that they would show of the campuses yeah. at this time yeah. and and because Rosalind got in first she was like come on in it's, it's fine. fine yeah you know it's not fine run <sighs> yep run get out go go somewhere else and but into the car Allison got of course once she got in he literally shot them both with a 22 caliber gun right there it's, in the car it's stunning for me it's stunning the audacity no like, just the <laughs> fact that the kill itself isn't the point for him Mm-mm. it's the after mm-hmm. that is the satisfying part because he literally he gets the girls he just kills them mm-hmm. there's no torture really there's no it's just i want a dead body yeah to defile yeah and it also has to do with the only act of killing that probably is the part for him that he enjoys is the fact that he's killing women. Yeah. But it's just over but other so than quickly, that, yeah. You know, and then he just takes him home, and then that's... It's it's more of the ritual afterward yeah. that he, he enjoys the most. Ay, ay, ay. So, yeah. once he did that, he brought them back to his mom's, as he had been. But this time, he fucking beheads them in his car. Oh my god, the blood. I know, like... The blood. The blood. Like, the the amount that you would... It would never come out of the seats, I feel like. It would never... It would just be... Imagine what that fucking trunk looks like. It's gotta stink. It's gotta stink. There's blood. There's there's bodily fluids, I'll say, every... All over the trunk of that car. When you put yourself in that... In that picture, it stinks. And it's awful. And it's... So most of the the girls... are dead before they go into the trunk, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think he's taken anyone alive. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only time he put one of them in the trunk was the first two when he first handcuffed one of them and put the yeah. other one in the trunk to wait. And but by that time, hopefully, the trunk was still clean. Yeah, it, <laughs> nobody else had been in there. Hopefully, at that hopefully. point. Yeah. yeah oh man. Could you imagine getting in that fucking nasty? Being shoved truck. in there, and then there's like, oh, there's probably God. bugs. Oh, God. Tons of bugs. Maggots and shit. Jesus. Because who knows the state of decomp at some points that some of these... Mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully it wasn't too terribly long, but the body Seems starts... Seems like he only did it within, the, within like, a couple days. Failing. Yeah, I know. Ugh. But, ugh. ugh. So, he carries the headless bodies into his mom's house to I can defile them. see that in my brain. I know. I this is why I'm man. speaking this way, because it's, it's big like... Big man, just... Ugh. Oh, God. It's terrible. He actually then removes the bullets from each of their bodies to prevent identification and then dismembers them. God, he's so fucking smart. I know. Like, he, he, knows, he just sits there meticulously doing this. You know that he's in that bar with those cops listening to his bodies being found. Yeah. You know, and his crimes being chatted about. Uh-huh. He's got the inside And other scoop. crimes, because it's the 70s in California. We know California in the 70s was hotbed. Mm-hmm. So... Oh, yeah, there was actually, they even mentioned that there's three different serial killers in just the area of Santa Cruz at this point. At this point in the 70s, Santa Cruz was rated, like, one of the top areas for serial killers. Yeah, I believe it. Because just, I don't know what it was about California. Just that West Coast. Yeah. Real hard by serial killers. It was. You don't hear a lot of them, like, in New York. Son of Sam. Yeah, there. I mean, there may be more that we just haven't heard of, but I mean, we know not the main, main, main. It seems like Lisk is Long big Island. Guys, yeah, you know, and they still don't even know who fucking Lisk is. Dahmer was like Midwest. Yeah, 
There is a new thing coming out about Lisk, too. I'm very excited about that, because yeah. it's terrifying that he's still uh-huh. either is uh-huh. dead somewhere or exists. Or out, yeah. and yeah, never uh-huh. caught. Crazy. That'll be, that's not even on the schedule. We should do a combined epi on it. Okay, yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be, oh, fun. be fun. Yeah, no. we'll do a Lisk combined episode. Yes, all right. Episode. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> next year, y'all. Yep, next year. Not well, really I next mean, year, after next October. Next podcast year yeah, for us. Our next season. Hit, yes, next season. We should just call our years the seasons. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> season, just like in Bridgerton. <laughs> but for some reason, I'm talking like Moira. Moira. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I have to just keep this light because don't it's worry. Tough. We're almost done. We're almost done with these killings here, okay? <laughs> We're almost done. Uh, so he, the next morning, he discarded the bodies in Eden Canyon where they were found about a week later. Again, these bodies being tossed into canyons. I'm so surprised that they're they're being being found found so quickly. So quickly, yeah. Like, how? People aren't going down into canyons usually. I don't know, unless they're just walking with their binoculars. Yeah, it's just like, oh, unless a bird picked up a part and like, (laughs) you never know. An animal could have brought it around. I mean, there is vulture culture. Yeah. That vultures were like spinning around. Maybe someone was looking for like a cool bone and they were like, true. I get sketched out when hawks circle above me. I'm like, I'm not dead. I'm not dead. Dude, we used to, if Nova was outside, we had oh God, this one yeah. bird that would literally like circle. And I'm like, no. Yeah, no. they will with those small dogs. They will pick up my damn dog. They will. She was <laughs> stocky, but they will. They would have taken her, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would have cried. That bird is heavy and strong Ooh. enough. Oh, my yeah. God, yeah. So in a later interview, uh, this is just... It's just gross. So uh, this is why we have a graphic warning, you know, listener discretion for for everything in this episode, but for things like his quotes. His quotes are just... The things that came from his mouth. His mouth, yes. So in an an interview later, Ed was asked why he removed the heads from his victims. Because it's all about figuring out the psychology of why they do things. Yes. Why why they tick? What makes them do what they do? Mm-hmm. Every one of them is different. In because a way. it's crazy that people are that, that they would just do something like and this. for like a pleasure type yeah. of weird aspect like that. And like, for science, they need to understand this because there are more people mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I find a row of Oreos pleasuring. Yeah, I know. You know, right? I'm just sitting there eating my Oreos, but this guy, watching TV. <laughs> this guy found other things that are troubling. You yeah. know, we all have our weird things. Let's not go into this weirdness. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, God, as a, as a woman, this is just so gross. So, quote, Ed says, quote, the head trip fantasies were a bit like a trophy, you know? The head is where everything is at, the brain, eyes, mouth. That's the person. I remember being told as a kid, you cut the head off and the body dies. The body is nothing after the head is cut off. Well, that's not quite true. There's a lot left in the girl's body without the head. Wow. Sickening. Yeah. Diabolical. But just... Thought out. The thought that he puts into it. Yeah. The the fact of, like, he used that whole... It's he like, had an ideology, yes. basically. Well, it's like when we sit there and we're, like, getting into deep thoughts or deep conversations. His deep thoughts are about this stuff. Death. And, and what yeah. body... It's like, good God, man. I can't uh, imagine having such a brain. I really can't. No. So, no. the media and law enforcement still have no idea who is behind the killings. Not an inkling. And as most every serial killer does, Ed was 
awarded another nickname besides Big Ed. Mm-hmm. He was dubbed the co-ed killer or the co-ed butcher. Now, as you and I talked about recently, there was that girl on a thread who was putting out false information that Ed Kemper was a cannibal. Ed Kemper never ingested any of these Oh, people. yeah, no, no. He did butcher them, but he did not eat them. No, so. no. Apparently, towards the end here, he would, again, pick up a girl and test himself to see if he wouldn't kill her. Oh, yeah, I remember this. This yeah. is fascinating it, to me. That's, that's the thing. Like, uh-huh. it's so fascinating because, like... How he can turn it on and turn it off. He's trying, he can, at least. He's know, trying to figure out what's, yeah, how what's to, the compulsion. How can, can he know, stop? Yeah. And the fact that he thought about wanting to stop, maybe. Uh-huh. And so, what he would do... I didn't even write this in here, but I, I know it by heart. What he would do is he would literally, like, pick up a girl and just try to, to drive them where they needed to go. Yeah. And he decided not to go his route or go past the way just because even if a girl... It would be... Yeah, yeah. There was one girl who asked, can we go this direction? He's like, no, I'm not going that way. And he delivered her safely home. Wow. Imagine being one of those girls who was like, I got into the car with him, but he didn't do that to me. Yeah. Like, That's wow. just wild. Mm-hmm. Good he just, God. he He's... wanted to test it. He was playing around and just seeing, you know, how... Well, that was actually at the end. And at the end, he started knowing what his... what he needed to do. Yeah, yeah. And what his, what this what was all about. What stop and where it stemmed. Exactly. Yeah. What yeah. it was all about, why he was doing this, and he knew what he needed to do for himself to end it all. Uh-huh. So, last but not least... As we know, Ed and his mother had a very strange and a strange, strange, strained, oh, <laughs> a very strained and abusive relationship. We also know that he would often go hunting for co-eds after he and his mom had an argument. Uh huh. Well, now is when Ed makes all of his fantasies come to fruition because, as we remember, he even said that when he was like ten, he would have dreams of. Killing, killing his, mom. his mama. Yep. Because that's honestly where it all stemmed. It was from all his mother. stems from mama. It was April 20th, 1973, and Ed was home in his mom's house sleeping. His mom came home from a party and ended up waking up Ed. She was in her bed reading a book late at night when he went into her room. She, famous, ugh, she famously says to him, quote, I suppose you're going to want to sit up all night and talk now. Which, as a mom, it's just, Love I can't even imagine children, speaking to my know? child and saying yeah. that. I, w- yeah. I want him to come, and if he wants to talk, talk. Exactly. yeah. You know, it's just it's just so heartbreaking. You can imagine how it was since he was a small child. Her child came out 13 pounds, and she's criticizing him for his size when he's 10. You can imagine how she treated him as a as a tiny baby. Oh, yeah, and she wasn't nurturing Ever from since. the start. Yeah. So it wasn't going to be a nurturing, loving relationship then on. Nope. So Ed replies to this, no, good night. He just came in, said good night. This is possibly when one of his most shocking crimes takes place. Uh huh. He waited till his mom was asleep, and when he went back into her bedroom, he brought a claw hammer and a pen knife. He bludgeoned her with the claw hammer and slit her throat with the pen knife. He then removed her head like he had with each one of his victims as well as defiling her severed head. Uh-huh. His mother's severed head. His mother's severed head. He What's was per- performing <laughs> Irimatio on it again. 
Uh, yeah, the the one that he wanted all along. This is when you can. I have the most picturesque picture ask memory like visual. I can just picture things. Yes, yeah, really same, well. Same. Okay. Yeah, yeah I can vivid see imagination this. here. I can see this. And the next portion just shows the angst and anguish. So Ed claims that he put his mother's head on a shelf for a few hours. And he was screaming at it while he was using it as a dartboard. Jesus. So he was fuck. sitting there screaming at the severed head. And you can just, it's a terrifying image. It is a terrifying image. You, I can hear screaming in my, like, in Yeah, in I can my see head. him, like, this big guy just screaming uh-huh. at this head. And you can see the angst and the everything built up. And just to have to go that far is, it's terrifying. Like, yeah. He might be intriguing as hell, but he is also a terrifying person. You know, big medicine and the things that he does. I just wish he didn't have to try it out on a whole bunch of people. Exactly. Before figuring out what he really needed to do. Exactly. Like I'm not saying, you know. Condoning what he did to his mom. No, but not at all. Honestly, but it would have been better if he just took care of there could have been his more business. Saved, yeah, you know, without going after them. Within the family. Yeah. Unfortunately. I totally agree. I just wanted to throw it out there that. At this time, Ed is only 25 years old. Yeah, he's still quite young. Yeah. I For some reason, you just picture him being like this 30-year-old guy or something. I know. It's his size. Yeah. It's the size of him that just makes him look. Yeah. Much older. And uh-huh. he was only 25 years old. So, he removed his mother's tongue and larynx. Ooh. Which is her vocal cords. Yeah. For a reason, which we'll get into. And tried to dispose of them in the garbage disposal in the sink. Why? Why do you put body parts in places where it's just so dumb? Well, the sink regurgitated, the, the disposal regurgitated them. It would yeah. not go no, down. No, and it, it spit it back into the sink. So. And it's like a garbage disposal in 1970. I know. You can imagine. Yeah. So apparently he did this because... You know, she was always screaming at him uh-huh. and yelling Down at and him and mocking and him and verbally and emotionally abusing him. Nagging. I hate the word nagging, but I feel like it works here. She in this situation, probably, yeah. yeah. So, he removed her tongue and voice box because can't talk. in his head. Yeah, I mean, not only is her head cut off, but you can't talk. Even in the afterlife, you don't have your tongue. And that's you don't have your vocal where box. everything like, is for him. You know, he yeah. talked about how everything is in the head. Mm-hmm. So, get rid of that and then... Honestly, the psychology of it is just, uh-huh. it honestly, is just uh-huh. so intriguing, and I hate to keep uh-huh. saying it, but it, it really is. It's no, just he like, is one of the most intriguing on a psyche. That's why they made Mindhunter uh-huh. about kind of like based on, with Ed. Yeah. I wouldn't say based on, but based with Ed Kemper. Yes. Because, yes. yeah. If he started it out, that's who started the profiling of the serial killers Yeah, and, and the stuff. interviews from, you know, John Douglas, because he yep. was the one who wanted to talk. Mm-hmm. Everyone else, it was like, uh, how what, are we going to get him to talk? And yeah. this guy was just, come on in, sit down. Which he talks about. We talk about why he does that as well. But so he hid the rest of her body in the closet and went out for a bar at, went out for a bar at the drink. Yeah. <laughs> he went out for a drink at the bar, of course. Those cop buddies. Yep, cop buddies. But he wasn't quite finished, you see. Nope. Once he got home... He decided to invite over his mother's 59-year-old best friend, Sarah Taylor, Sally Hallett. Sarah Taylor, Sally Hallett. So, 
Sally in quotes, her name, they would call her Sally. Okay, yeah. She, I mean, he's cooking up his plan. Yep. He invited her over to have dinner and watch a movie, and right as she came in, he strangled her to death because he's not fucking around anymore. He knows what he needs to do. He's trying to get this shit done now. Allegedly, this was so he could create some sort of cover story where his mom and her friend had both left on vacation. Vacation. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Before leaving the house, Ed left a note for the cops that I'm going to quote for you now. Quote, approximately 5.15 a.m. Saturday. No need for her to suffer anymore at the hands of this her- horrible, quote, murderous butcher. Murderous butcher. I am sorry. I cannot talk today. <laughs> it was quick, asleep, the way I wanted it. Not sloppy and incomplete, gents. Just a, quote, lack of time. I got things to do. Just bonkers. That is bonkers. Just bonkers. And he talks, gents, like he's talking to the cops that he knows. His friends, yeah. 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 Ed started to run away but realized... It doesn't... This this ending doesn't make sense to me. And I will... After you get... I'm going to unpack it because there's some things. No, there. I agree. It, it's a weird ending to this case. Especially with the, 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 the vacation part. Yeah. And like, yeah, we'll get into it. Okay. So, he realized the news wasn't saying anything about these crimes. So, he decided to, again, call the police on himself just like he did with his grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. However, the cops knew of Big Ed, remember? He used to hang out with them and they didn't believe, believe him. him. Yeah. They did not believe him. Nope. So he called back and asked for an officer that he personally knew and told him what he had done. This is just crazy. Why even make up? The, like, the guess, lie about the vacation. I like, guess he he wanted to, the reason for writing the note and stuff was I guess he wanted to get caught. Yeah. He didn't, I guess he maybe didn't want to have to confess it. Maybe he was trying to lead them mm-hmm. in an easier way. But, but he also didn't call. He didn't even leave his name on the note. So I feel like at first he, he talks was about planning on trying to cover it and run away. Yeah. But then, then he was like, oh. They're not covering me in the news. Yeah. But so it's like. It's just so weird. It's I the agree. weirdest thing to just call and be like, yo, I'm confessing after you just killed your mom's friend to set up this ruse that they're on a vacation. and I feel like it's because Ed then actually critically thinks about things. Yeah. And I know that sounds crazy, but we talk a, a little bit more about what he ex- explains later on. And, like, I feel like he, he knows that he, it was something wrong. Like, it's he did obviously wrong things. Oh, yeah. That. That's why I think like, when he was trying to test the driving of the girls home, and he was trying to control that compulsion mm-hmm. because he didn't, probably he didn't like it. You know, yeah. he liked it when he was doing it, right. but he probably did have some sense of, it's almost like a split personality. Wronging. That's exactly yeah. what paranoid schizophrenics are. Schizophrenics have multiple personalities. It just mm-hmm. it just depends. So he might, yeah, he might have had that strong personality that's like kill, 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 kill. And then that one that kind of creeps up and it's like, what did you just do? What did you just do? Well, that's the thing because everybody who knew him never really saw him as a violent person. They yeah. never knew of anything he was, he was doing. Off, yeah. Know? Except for with his grandparents' crimes, of course. And I'm not sure how many people did know about that. It was sealed. After he sealed his records. Unless he liked to talk. You know? But I mean, I don't think he would be telling his cop buddies that. I don't think so. No. So, it seems like on one hand, Ed was and tried to be and wanted to be a good person yeah. in his core. Yeah. But then there's that other part of his personality. The psychological, deep, that dark split area. Yeah, uh-huh. where he has no control uh-huh. over it. And uh-huh. it's just, it's crazy and just so damn 
intriguing. Like, so how many intriguing. times are we going to say that? I don't know. <laughs> a billion. That's why we say he's, like, top, top tier. Yeah, you know? Like, like, he's just that one that's just, like, you could keep listening and, and yeah. divulging and figuring it. Like, I've heard this story many times, but it's still just so... Honestly, I could sit there and watch him doing his interviews and how yeah. he talks about things. It is, I have. It's in, it's, yeah, I know. Me <laughs> too. Know, it's, it's like, like it's uh, enthralling. The uh-huh. way he talks about it's crazy. Yeah. And that's what they said. The way he articulated things is why there were so many sought-after interviews with him. Mm-hmm. So once he was arrested in custody, not only did he confess to killing his mother and friend, but he also con- and her friend, I'm sorry, but he also confessed to the six other murders of the co-eds as well. An interviewer once asked Ed why he turned himself in, and Ed responded, quote, the original purpose was gone. Mm-hmm. It wasn't serving any physical or real emotional purpose. It was just a pure waste of time. Emotionally, I couldn't handle it much longer. Toward the end there, I started feeling the folly of the whole damn thing, and at the point of near exhaustion, near collapse, I just said, to hell with it, and called it all off. Yep. So that explains, that kind of answers our question. Uh-huh. You know, why would he? Because at first, he would, he just decided to call it off. At the trial, Ed was being charged with eight counts of first-degree murder. His counsel had him plead not guilty by reason of insanity because yeah. he, he was diagnosed even at the age of, what, you can 15 see in with his paranoid past. schizophrenia. Yeah, he's not, not mentally, mentally well. stable. Yeah. But in the end, the jury found him guilty and sane on all counts on November 8th, 1973, because he is so damn intelligent. And the way he talks about things, he's... I know, but intelligence doesn't automatically mean that you're okay. Yeah, I know. You and know, it's funny because, like, your head. you have the, that, those people with this problem that have, like, mental breaks. And with that compulsion, so, I feel like there's something within that compulsion that's psychological anyway. So most of them should get... Some mentally... A psych eval of some yeah, sort. Like, yeah. There's something wrong. Mm-hmm. But it didn't turn out, like... They did They did find him guilty and sane. However, he was sentenced to the California Medical Facility. Okay. And I believe he's still there. Yeah. As far as I'm aware. So they didn't send him just to some regular high max security uh, for convicts. They did send him to a medical facility, a, pre- a prison for max, you know, whatever. Um, he got seven years to life on each murder. Oh, damn. In prison, he was actually a model prisoner. I believe. Is that. a model prisoner. Yeah, he just... He finished what he needed. Mm-hmm. To quote Wiki, uh, Kemper remains among the general population in prison and is considered a model prisoner. He was in charge of scheduling other inmates' appointments with psychiatrists and was an accomplished craftsman in, of ceramic cups. He was also a prolific reader of audiobooks for the blind. Uh-huh. So he read them for the blind. And... Um, sorry, a 1987 Los Angeles Times article stated that he was the coordinator of the prison's program and had personally spent over 5,000 hours narrating books with several hundred completed recordings to his name. Mm-hmm. He was retired from these positions in 2015 after he experienced a stroke and was yeah. declared medically disabled. He has been denied parole and he has waived his own parole more than once, way more than once, ever since he's Every time parole comes up, it's kind of like, um, so the first time he got parole, he was denied. The second time, he waived it. The third time, he was denied. The, set, the fourth time, he waived uh-huh. it. So either he's denied or he just it's waves it. Because he's like, I know I did was wrong, kind of, and I'm... I just have such weird feelings, though. I know. Because I feel like he's so rehabilitated, and it, I feel like the threat of Ed Kemper is 
low now because he did what he needed to do. It seems like, you know, he is getting the help that he needs. He doesn't have those urges anymore. I he even know. said it's, it's done. Like, it serves no emotional purpose because he literally, but it's because of all the, whether he's rehabilitated exactly. or not. Exactly. It's like, it's hard. It's yeah. a hard feeling because it's like, you know, I want him to do the time, but if there is anybody who is rehabilitated, I feel like I know. this man is it. And it's crazy because there's not many times that you think that somebody like this could be. Could be, But it's exactly. because he had a specific goal. Yeah, it wasn't like Target. something that was just chronic. Yeah, it no, was just it was once she was out of the picture, he had like the, the urge was relief. gone. The urge was gone just forever. He, I mean, he hasn't even hurt anybody in prison. It's just so strange. You know, like it is really strange. But they do say I didn't put this quote in there, but one of the prosecutors did say, um, "I don't care either a prosecutor or a judge. I don't care how rehabilitated you are with somebody who has committed the type of monstrous monstrous crimes that Ed has committed." He's never getting out of prison. Yeah. And those victims' families deserve that, unfortunately. Some people, like, not unfortunately, but like, it's just all yeah, around. It's just yeah. nobody wants any of this to ever happen. And so. some people feel like he is more, he edges on like compulsory lying as well and like making and fabricating things so people mm-hmm. will talk to him more mm-hmm. so who really knows the psyche of this man yeah you know just because it's a crazy thing you never know you, like i i say it you know oh yeah if he is he's rehabilitated but then again you still never know because mm-hmm. he he can put on that charm he can do the things mm-hmm. that he needs to do but it's funny because he knows he's never getting out so you'd think that if he, he did have them to. i think he's at the point where he's just like you know this is this is probably my happy life. this there. is my home i he have doesn't my have crafts to... i can do my things you know yeah i mean nobody would hire ed kemper so he doesn't have to worry about getting a job. Exactly. And except I mean, he works, he already works now. in the prison. Yeah, he knows he's like 72 or something, I think. I so since his crimes, Ed has participated in countless interviews, aided the FBI, and has even been the muse for various movies, characters, songs, and books. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the songs, or somebody mentioned, I don't know if it was System of a Down or what, but they said one of the lyrics is... Um, Edmund Kemper, Edmund Kemper, or Temper like Kemper, or something like that. Oh, okay, all right. And I was like, yeah, that's that's interesting. So, he says he participates in these things and talks about his crimes openly to try to help prevent others who feel the same way as him from doing it as well. Mm-hmm. He says, "quote There's somebody out there that is watching this that hasn't done that, hasn't killed people, and wants to, and rages inside and struggles with that feeling, or is so sure they have it under control." They need to talk to somebody about it. Trust somebody enough to sit down and talk about something that isn't a crime. Thinking that way isn't a crime. Doing it just doing it isn't just a crime. It's a horrible thing. It doesn't know when to quit and it can't be stopped easily once it starts. That's terrifying. Yeah. I can just picture people in their homes just suffering with feeling like this for some yeah. reason. Yeah, that Why anger do I feel boiling, like I need to kill somebody? Like I just need to do something about this. Yeah. And and the fact that he is saying, like, it's it's not a crime to think those things. It's, you, doing it is a crime, and it's a horrible thing. But you need to talk about it, right, nip bad. it in the bud, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, kick that out. Cut it out, you know? <sighs> so that, dear listeners, is the story of Edmund Kemper, the co-ed killer. Oh, Eddie. It is a very strange 
and intriguing and awful case all it's around. It's a wild trip to go through. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Leaves you feeling all sorts of strange ways. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. But. Because it's the fact that he kills his grandparents and you're like, that should be done. Mm-hmm. He, she should be done. Mm-hmm. No. He's able to have a part two. And the part two escalates and gets real bad. Mm-hmm. And now he just sits there and, and does I just it's, can't. I, I know you can't wrap your head around it. It's it's mind blowing. It it's is. crazy. Yep. But uh, it makes me want to watch Mindhunter again. So. Makes me just want to watch Ed Kemper interviews. If you guys haven't <laughs> watched Mindhunter, watch it. I like the other interviews too. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Seeing well, that inner working of a serial killer's mind, and that's my uh-huh. thing about the death penalty. It's like I have feelings. Like with Ed Kemper, he's alive. He can be interviewed. We can see his psyche a little bit. Mm-hmm. Can't do that with Jeffrey Dahmer or Ted Bundy. Or it's just it's see it's that learning thing for yeah. me. Yeah, we could just have a jail that's like a museum type of thing where it's just this one jail and it's for interview purposes and it's high max security where no one can break out, no one can do anything, and then people can just interview them. See, I think that the like, problem uh, is that, like, Ed is probably one of the only ones that will sit there, like you said, you know. and openly talk about it. And I have a hard time with the death penalty, too, because, like, I'm 95% against it only because, I mean, The Green Mile is a movie, it's based on example. Like, yeah, that happens yeah. a lot. Like, yeah. people sometimes don't get the fair trial that they should get and uh-huh. have been framed uh-huh. or what have you. Yep. And yep. could be sitting on death row when yep. they're completely innocent. It's really tough. It's a tough... But debate. It's, when it's cut and dry, like Richard Ramirez, yeah, yeah, and he sits there grossly mocking the people in court and uh-huh. all this and shows absolutely no fucking remorse, yeah, yeah. that's it, the, just be oh, done. Oh, no, he did get the death penalty, but then I think it was, he died before yeah. that could be, yeah. So asshole. it's like, those types of people, just, <sighs> just get it over with. It's like, just hard. Get them out. Because I feel like, yeah, when they're first arrested, they're, er, 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 I'm not going to say a word, but after jail and after a while and they have literal just time, mm-hmm. time, time to think, I feel like they would start talking more. I yeah. feel like it would be more of a thing that they could get out of. Either that or you just hear rumors from, like, mm-hmm. the inmates and... The game yeah. of telephone, what they've heard about the uh-huh. new guy and it's everything just, like that. Yeah. Trying to get their prison cred because they're like, hey, this is what I did. It's just fascinating. Like, what did you do to get in here? To have been John Douglas at that time oh, would have been just... That would almost be... to Manson. Yeah. And, oh, my God. As an investigator, honestly, that would just be incredible. The Holy Grail. Yeah. The Holy Grail. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really sad that Netflix is not bringing that show back. Mindhunter? It's gone. <sighs> After two seasons. Of course. And, like, I read John Douglas's book. There is another one that I could read, and it was good, but I need more. I, I need know. to know more of, like, what they, how, because uh, he started it all. He coined a serial killer. He started mm-hmm. it. He did the profiling. Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, give me more. I want to do it. Give me a volunteer position, somebody. I know. Give me a remote volunteer position that I can work from from home that I can sit here and, and look at these things and, and call prisoners oh, and investigate. That's the thing about John Travel Douglas, to prison. Though. He, like, knew 
he knew how to get into their mind. And mm-hmm. that was what was important. Each person was different. They mm-hmm. weren't all temper where they were just going to... Manson walked up in that room, according to the show, and was, like, bouncing around and trying to be all intimidating. But the dude's, like, five foot two. I know. And scrawny and, uh-huh, ha- and weird. Uh-huh. Like, wiry he hair. Like, dude, real, he just looked just like a strange psycho. <laughs> so they had to kind of do things unconventionally that, mm-hmm. that got people talking and, and figured it out. It's so freaking neat. I know. It's so neat. So, yeah. I should okay. have. We needed to have that as a profession. Yeah. <laughs> but like I said, <laughs> when I looked up. about that, you know? I did. When I looked it up, though, it was, I was, it was right before college, and I was like, what does it take to be a uh, private eye, or what does it take to be um, certain, all these different types of investigators? Yeah. And a lot of the times, my bitch-ass self did not want to go through this, but you have to go through 18 months of boot camp. And I'm yeah, like, like a police academy. Yeah, like yeah. my eight, my 18-year-old self was like, I'm not cut for boot camp. I just want to investigate. Why do I got to go to boot camp? I couldn't even do the presidential fitness test in gym class. Are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? I ain't going to a boot camp. 22 push-ups? Please. I know. Good God. Push-ups please. are the worst. I... Pull-ups? Please. Oh, God. Oh, now I got to run the crunches. mile. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mind the crunches. The crunches. Well, they yeah. were full fucking sit-ups, yes. too. Yes, yep. I, I remember I always got into, like, the high, between 60s and 80s with the sit-ups. Push-ups, I was, like, 10, and I was done. Five, seven, yeah, nine, yeah. Nine, Pull-ups wasn't even a thing. Uh, Zero. Yeah. Zero. And then my mile was just shit. <laughs> Anyways, before we keep going, yeah, as always, thanks a million for listening. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for continuing, guys. We are so glad you're here every single week. Every we single love week. You. Now make sure that you leave a review everywhere you can leave one, especially on Apple with you guys, with you Apple listeners. It really helps us with the rankings to be to be noticed and be talked about and everything like that. So make sure you're giving us reviews. Put them everywhere you can. Send us a message and an email. Let us know if you want some goodies. Um, make sure to subscribe to the MTM channel on YouTube and to hit the bell so you're always in the loop when new content drops. Also, make sure you check out the blog for pictures and episode sources at www.morethanmurderpod.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook at... More Than Murder. You can follow us on Twitter at... More Than Underscore Murder. And you can follow us on Insta at... More Than Murder Pod. I need water because my throat sounds like a frog now, but I've been talking (laughs) for too long. If you have any stories, you particularly want to say hi... And what was the other thing we were asking people to write in about at the beginning of the episode? We were talking about it, and I can't remember now. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> if you remember what we talked about, let us know at uh, the Gmail. Oh, yeah, about my weird cat story. Oh, yeah. My primary, like, middle school cat story. Yes, the book. The book. It was, like, yeah, a short story. short story. Yeah. Let awful. us know about that uh-huh. at the Gmail at morethanmurderpod at gmail.com. Yes. Yes, do that now. And, you know, that's going to be it for this week, peeps. I hope you have a good weekend. Yeah, we'll, we'll see, see you next time. week. Bye. Bye.